0: Welcome back for another edition of Radio Beacon, the podcast of Beacon Communications. I'm Dan Kittredge, editor of the Cranston Herald, recording here solo on Sunday, October 11th. Um, and if you're just tuning into this one for a little context, uh, this is the uh, second episode I'm releasing today and the uh, the fifth that we're releasing this uh, week in the last couple days. Um, I've been, uh, during recent months, sitting down chatting with the candidates for city offices in Cranston this year including mayor city council um, legislative seats as well I have at this point uh wrapped up um and met with all of the candidates for council seats and for mayor um and so I'm uh kind of rounding out and and releasing these interviews for the for the council candidates um as a way to uh to hopefully uh keep voters informed and let uh, provide a chance for folks to hear directly from these hopefuls um so, uh, this episode features my interview with uh, Republican Ward 2 City Council candidate Zach Saylor. Um, Zach came in on, uh, I believe, Thursday, uh, a few hours ahead of the mayoral debate that I moderated between Ken Hopkins and Maria Bucci. So, uh, he was very gracious with his time. We had a really good discussion. I appreciate him coming in. Um, Zach is, uh, I believe, the youngest candidate in the field this year. He's part of this uh, recruiting class that Councilman Hopkins um, has helped put together uh, for the for the GOP locally this year. Um, he is uh, uh, currently in uh, postgraduate studies at PC, and he's uh, um, he talked about his vision for the city, why he's getting involved this year. Um, he is uh, seeking this Ward Two seat, which is currently held by. Councilwoman Anise Germain, a Democrat. Uh, Anise had uh, declared her candidacy earlier this year, um, as did Zach, when it became clear that uh, uh, or when, when Paul McCauley, the former War II councilman, announced he wouldn't seek a new term. Um, subsequently to that, uh, Councilman McCauley resigned the seat um, and unexpectedly, and uh, um, at that point, Anise became uh, the appointee, and she's been serving in the seat for a couple of months now um but uh so we have this this is one of two contested ward seats of the uh the nine seats on the council this year it's one of five seats that are up for grabs um, as all three citywide seats as well are open and uh the ward six seat which uh longtime Councilman Mike Favicchio a Republican is leaving due to term limits um coming up after this installment uh just for listeners um I'll be speaking. You'll you'll hear my conversation with Ward Six Republican candidate Matt Riley. Um, I had already spoken with and released uh, an interview with the Democratic candidate for that seat, Paul Bucci, So you can go check that out um, and then look back today as well to hear from Matt Riley. So at this point, uh, again, um, I've uh, we've we've put out on this podcast interviews with all of the candidates for city council seats in Cranston this year i hope uh i hope they're of value to listeners and to readers out there and uh, subscribe to radio beacon go back and check out our archive uh, and you can hear all of those Um, subscribe today wherever you get podcasts we're hosted by anchor um, so check that out without further ado we will move on then to my uh, i guess i'll also plug uh, um, uh, looking forward on the 19th of october um, mark your calendars uh, 6.30 p.m. we're going to have a forum on Zoom. It'll be shared on the Cranston Public Library's Facebook page um, with all six of the citywide council candidates uh, uh, this year. So uh, mark your calendars for that. We'll have more details coming. But uh, we will move on now to my discussion with Zach Saylor. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, stay tuned.
1: Tonight, Indeed. big night for uh, for Cranston with the debate. Yeah. So.
0: Listen, you'll be listening to this after uh, the debate, the mayoral debate tonight. We're recording this on the eighth of October, but uh, yes. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I have a lot of people yeah. tuning
1: in. Well, did a great job last time, so thank you. You know, we need uh, we need somebody to really uh, hold that down.
0: Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. To uh, to get started here, um, I, I think. It's safe to say you're the, the youngest candidate in the field running this year. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I just turned 24 and at the end of August. Um, you know, I grew up going to Cranston schools. Um, you know, I've been really, you know, motivated uh, to get involved since I was a kid. Um, you know, I grew up, I would say, lower middle class um, during the recession. You know, one or both of my parents were unemployed pretty much the entire way through um, the recession, through my schooling. Uh, So that kind of drove me to run, especially during the COVID pandemic. Um, I really want to be a good voice for, you know, my ward, the middle class. Um, But uh, after graduating uh, from Cranston East, I went to RIC. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, After my first day of school, I decided I want to be an education major. Uh, so I took some education classes, along with my history class um, at RIC, uh, decided that was going to take too long, and I was no longer a fit for Rhode Island College, uh, so I transferred over to URI, where I finished my degree in history, and political science, um, and now I'm completing my master's at Providence College uh, for urban education, um, so urban teaching, Title I schools, um, really focused on students with disabilities, so um, I think you know, that, that background really needs to be seen on the council.
0: Sure. I know you've spoken about, you know, you're one of the folks I think that has been, been drawn into this through Councilman Hopkins, that, uh, that he played a role in recruiting you to, the, to run this year.
1: Yeah, so uh, Councilman Hopkins, um, I actually had him as a junior in high school yeah. uh, at Cranston East for American Law, um, you know, and, and you know, his positivity is his way of being a, a visionary for our city. Uh, was something that really attracted me to uh, joining the team um, started out as wanting to volunteer with him and you know through our conversations um, he th- thought I'd be a good fit to run for the seat um, you know and I was completely bought in from that point on
0: that's cool the uh, to turn to some of the big issues I think the the number one issue facing the new mayor the new council and probably at the top of voters' minds is the the fiscal outlook for the city you know where the state is uh, not acted on a budget yet, there's we're waiting on some some finality from the federal government. There's a lot of state aid in limbo. Um, you know, I guess how, how do you? What's your take on this situation? If you're elected, what's kind of going to be your approach to, to preserving fiscal stability in the city?
1: Yeah. So, from what we've seen with the budget so far, um, in Cranston, uh, it's pretty tough. Because, um, you know, we've never been in a situation that we've been in before. Uh, you know, this situation is unique. Um, it's not like a regular recession or economic downturn that we normally see because, you know, we can't predict when we're, we're going to come out of this. Um, I think with the winter coming, I think, um, you know, a lot of our outdoor dining revenues are going to drop, um, you know, without being able to be outside. Uh, but what my, my main priorities are uh, going, you know, into the council, um, number one is, you know, the security of our city. Um, I'm really focused on making sure that, you know, fi- uh, fire and police are funded well yeah. so that, you know, our city is safe, um, that we don't have to worry about, you know, cutting jobs like uh, that are in our safety field. Um, another thing that really is important to me um, is our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up um, towards, you know, the, the end of the, uh, the first decade of the 2000s. And I was in middle school at that point, point. Um, and I had pretty much all of my after-school activities cut, sports cut. Yeah, um, that was a tough time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, where um, you know, where we start to, to divest in education, you know, we're going to start to see students divesting in their schools. So, um, that's how I felt. I know that's how a lot of my classmates felt. Is that you know our our city sort of failed us in those cuts. Um, I personally. Um, you know, have vowed to make sure that we never put our kids in the middle of a budget war. Sort of like, you know, I felt like I was. Um, But then, you know, lastly, we just want to make sure that, you know, our city services are very responsive. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to make sure our roads are nice, infrastructure is good, you know, and and that we prioritize that. Um, But most of all, you know, the taxpayers, um, we can't raise our taxes too much. You know, not to say that I... You know, I can commit to no tax increases, but, uh you know, we want to make sure that, you know, what we're giving our taxpayers is what they're paying for. Sure. So.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask if, uh, you know, if there's any particular tools you see as being either on or off the table, in your view, you know, looking ahead um, to address the situation. You know, we the mayor has said that, you know, the city's cash flow is in an okay place. If this yeah. uncertainty keeps dragging on, though, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's pretty tough. Um, You know, the state's rolling the ball down the road with, with the budget and it's really hard for us to predict um, where we're going to go with that. Uh, But what we want to do is try to find a way um, for small businesses to uh, be able to continue their sales, you know, bring us some revenue on the tax end. But, you know, unfortunately, as I said, you know, we're in this unpredictable situation.
0: To uh, to turn back to the schools for a minute, and I I think you have a a really interesting perspective on this, given that, you know, you're at PC right now. Um, What's your view of the reopening process? What are you hearing from folks? Do you think they're they're moving too quickly, not quickly enough?
1: So, uh, you know, personally, um, and how I've looked at it from the beginning is that everybody sort of has their own opinion on this right now. Um, And I think that uh, as a state, city, country, um, we've gotten pretty... Judgmental as far as how people feel about it. Um, I'm with the approach that I'm okay with going out. I wear my mask. I socially distance, and that's okay. Uh, but I know that there's folks that don't want to do that. Um, I know there's teachers that don't want to do that. Uh, students that don't want to do that. Um, my sister um, is a sophomore at Cranston East, and she decided to go full distance learning. Yeah. Um, for me, I was pretty disappointed um, in the governor's approach. You know, we've we've been in this situation where we've been told to. You know, follow the rules, don't gather. And and we've done a pretty good job at doing that. Um, but then when it comes to reopen the schools, you know, reopen. And I felt like we didn't really have guidance on that. Um, and it put our school committees in a pretty tough spot to make a decision to reopen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know it was the superintendent said earlier this week that, uh, um, you know, she, they, she continues to view this hybrid approach as the, you know, really kind of the peak of what they're going to be able to do. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, when I met with the Cranston Teachers Alliance the other day, um, one of the big things that we talked about is funding, um, you know, better resources for distance learning. Um, I personally wouldn't buy a Chromebook for myself, but, you know, that's what we're distributing to our students. Um, We want to make sure that our students and our teachers have reliable technology in order to do that.
0: Sure. To turn to, um, you know, another ongoing issue, uh, economic development. We've had a a couple of big flashpoints in recent years solar farms last yep. year, um, more recently this year with the, the Mulligan's Island Costco development that uh, continues to get delayed here. Um, what's, uh, what's your vision for economic development in the city? Yeah.
1: Um, so the Costco issue hits a little close to home for me. Uh, my grandmother lives um, right on Beekman Avenue, which uh, borders the back nine at Mulligan's. Um, so I personally think it's really tough to turn down Um uh, the economic development that we'd see from Costco and the Cranston crossing, but it's just not a good fit, mm-hmm. um, for the city. And I, have been pretty outspoken on that. Um, you know, I felt like the developer wasn't committed to, um, you know, giving us a solution on how they're going to prevent the water runoff. Um, you know, water already floods the backyards back there. Anyways. Um, I can't imagine what, would it, what it would be like with the cement. Um, I think that the traffic was, would be, a a huge factor in that area Mm. because I feel like the roads are tight enough over there as it is. Um, But a lot of, um, you know, to specifically the Costco point, a lot of my Republican colleagues, um, we've been pretty active in trying to find um, sort of a way to get a recreation center in there. Um, What I think that would be awesome, you know, it would be awesome for the city to have somewhere that we can host you know, youth tournaments, um, you know, you look at the CLCF building, that's not adequate enough. Hope Island is not adequate enough. We want somewhere that's, you know, big enough that we can, you know, host these tournaments and then drive that traffic down towards places that we've already spent a lot of time and money developing like garden city, um, you know, and you go all the way down reservoir. Uh, so, you know, that's from the Costco perspective, that's sort of how I see it. Um, you know, in, in my ward in particular, mm-hmm. um, I've been pretty outspoken about um, sort of reinvigorating Raw Street. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen, in the last few years, we've seen restaurants go in there um, and do pretty well, when at one point it, you know, wasn't able to, you know, restaurants weren't able to stand up mm-hmm. over there. Uh, but I've talked to a lot of the businesses on that, that end, um, and they said that traffic is a big issue. Uh, they say cars drive too fast. Um, So I'd love to see some sort of speed bump put in there. I'd love to see that place become a real walker's destination. You know, it's probably the only place in our city where it's surrounded by, you know, so many uh, residences where people can walk. Um, So I think that investing in that area would be amazing, especially for Ward 2, just to kind of bring some life to that area. Um, Because I grew up, you know, park theater was empty. Um, You know, all those restaurants, areas were empty. And now it's starting to you know come back yeah. and i think that we can really take it to the next level yeah i grew up
0: nearby there and it's been nice to see it a bit. yeah yeah some more a better parking solution there would
1: be, uh, right right i uh you know i've kind of talked to some of the businesses about possibly extending the sidewalks out a little more so that they can have a little bit more outdoor dining um capabilities obviously that's more of a covid specific thing yeah um but I think that we could, you know, really do a great job. You see that fall out of summer event that the artist exchange hosts every yeah. year. I could see us doing more things like that, Definitely. um, to bring some traffic to that area.
0: I'm curious what, what do you see as the top issue facing the ward? What are you hearing from voters in the ward? Yes. Yeah,
1: so, um, a lot of things that I hear now, um, obviously our schools are a big thing, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I'm a huge advocate for that, that bond that's going to be on our, uh, on the docket this yeah. year, um. You know, I encourage everybody to take a good hard look at that, um, and it's a fiscally responsible bond as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 50 to 70 percent, um, you know, uh, refundable by the state. Yeah, so I think that that's something that's really important. People are worried about making sure our schools are, are you know, adequate. Um, you know, the the COVID situation. Uh, people want to make sure that they can live in that area. They don't want to be priced out of their houses by, you know, tax increases. If their money is not coming in, we're not going to get, you know, money from them either. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I've heard a lot, uh, is diversity. Uh, you know, our ward is becoming increasingly more diverse, which is great. You know, we, we welcome that. Um, but you know, how do we find that solution? You know, there's a lot of different approaches we can take.
0: Yeah. That was Um, going to be my next question. Yeah. You know, both kind of, um. Diversifying the city's workforce, which has been a, a subject of yeah. a lot of discussion in this diversity commission, and then I thought it was notable earlier this week at the council meeting there was a an impassioned debate over this appointment to the zoning board, and it kind of highlighted yeah the, the diversity of local government the right. uh, you know board and commission committee seats as well
1: yeah so one of the things that I've really um, you know taken a look at is is you know Cranston East, for example um, you know my f- senior year was the first year that It was less than 50 percent white students and that's great you know i loved going to school in such a diverse community it really helped me you know open my eyes to some of the challenges that other communities face Um, and it just really let me interact in the right way helped me learn respect um, integrity and how to treat other people Um, but the student or the student body did not reflect the teacher population Mm -hmm. i mean that's something that really going through my education career um, has really Stood out. Um, how do we make our teaching force more diverse? Um, I've gone to take I've taken education classes at three different colleges in the state of Rhode Island. I could probably name, you know, on one hand, how many uh, non-white students that we had in our class, um, and one of them is playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so, you know, it's it's how can we create sort of an education program, an outreach program, you know, at you know at our schools to encourage more te- more um, applicants you know to go into college and take education classes um, i think it's a pretty doable thing you know all of our teachers pretty much have a master's degree in education they can teach an intro to education course um, you know at at cranston east or w- wherever in the city um, so then we can start to encourage a more diverse teaching field yeah. um, i've talked to um, both uh, the police union and the fire union um, our Cranston students can participate in our, you know, the Police Explorer program, mm-hmm. um, which kind of gives, you know, our students uh, an intro into what our police officer training, you know, is is like. Yeah. Um, and I think that we certainly can implement something that, like that uh, with our fire union as well. Mm. Um, but I think part of our, you know, with our SROs in schools, I think that they can do a really good job at promoting that program for our students. Yeah.
0: That's a segue into. Uh, in, in these hyper-local races, there sometimes aren't the, it, you know, the, the the dynamics are a little different than the national races in terms of issues that come up. But there was, in War Two, um, Councilwoman Jermaine, Jermaine uh, th- there, there was a, a bit of a controversy surrounding a, an email she sent, an ordinance that she was exploring regarding the role of police in schools. Um, I know you put out a statement after that. Um, you know, I know since she's, uh, she said that from her perspective, it was a, uh, you know, she's a very new councilwoman. It was it was something, she, you know, she was intending to start a discussion, particularly about the way, you know, police are viewed in the community and the fact that some might be uncomfortable with them being in school so prominently. Can you talk a little about this, this episode and uh, kind of where, where you stand on this whole? Yeah,
1: so that was really, I guess, um, one of the hot button issues um, that kind of has come up along the, you know, the campaign trail, as I say, I'm, you know, I'm walking the neighborhood every night and people are bringing things like that up to me. Um, I, I personally just did not see it as a Cranston issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be an issue nationally, but our, our school resource officers are trained to be in the schools. Um, and I know from my experience at Cranston East that Matt Davis, um, who is our school resource officer there, is very well respected um, and he treats the students with just as much respect um, as a, as the students treat him, so I think that there, you know as far as um, submitting an ordinance um, against that, I feel like if you know if we wanted to start a conversation, we could have brought those people to the table and, and had that discussion. Um, so before I even released a statement, the first pe- person I called um, was Mike Karamati at the police union, just got his perspective on it, um, and then I talked to Rob Aruda, who is the school resource officer at West, um, and. You know, we just had a discussion. It's like, what are the issues that you face? And they're, they're saying that the issues that they see are not what we see at the national level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, they, that our school resource officers are passing up, you know, promotions to go to different areas of the department because they love being in the schools and they love working with our kids. Um, and for the most part, um, you know, our students are getting their first positive um, interaction with law enforcement in schools and you know if they might see that that officer out on the street and you know they're going to say hi and they're going to talk to them and that's a relationship that they're going to have for for a lifetime um and that's something that you know i've been walking with the resource officers well you know they walk with me at least once a week just because I, you know i want to have that relationship with them and you know our police union um, just to make sure that you know number one we have a good relationship um and number two that if there was an issue, I can go right to them and speak to them directly, um, you know, just to, you know, pick their brain and see, hey, what were you thinking in this moment? Um, and, th- th- you know, if that's an issue, you know, if, or if an issue comes up, we can, um, you know, we can address it then. Mm-hmm. So um, I just felt like, you know, putting in an ordinance was a little bit premature. Um, and that if we wanted to have a conversation, you know, we certainly could have done that in a different way. Sure.
0: To, to pivot from diversity to uh, transparency and, and access to local government. I've, I've asked some of the other candidates about this. Just the idea being that, uh, you know, we don't know where we're gonna be week to week or month to month at this point with the pandemic, but with all likelihood in a new council, there's still gonna be some restrictions in place. I don't think this crisis will be gone away by then. Um, you know, over the last six, seven months here, we've been conducting, uh, you know, local meetings on Zoom. Um, right. What's your what's your kind of view of this? Do you, do you think uh, something more needs to be done to get restore in-person access? I personally would, you know, I, I've I've said uh, you know having these meetings streamed, um, while it uh, you know it, it definitely takes away some of that in-person dynamic that's really valuable, it also makes the proceedings accessible to people in a way that they right. haven't been. What's what's right. kind of your your take on that? Yeah,
1: it on so I. I Obviously, we all want to be in person, and I feel like that's the same way with, you know, with going to school. Everybody has that intention of wanting to be, you know, there. Um, however, you know, some people's opinions are, you know, I'm not safe going out, and that's that's totally fine. Um, but I, I'd love to see our, our council meet in person um, with sort of, you know, the same way that we are right now with our masks. You know, we're sitting across the table far enough from each other. Um, I think that that would be you know, to have our council there creates a better dynamic for them to talk with each other, um, debate, however, you know, whatever they, you know, want to do um, to kind of get, to help our our constituents better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we certainly could have a way of, you know, streaming in you know, people who, you know, some some residents that want to speak. But I do think that there has to be some sort of maybe hybrid approach like we're doing with the schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe bring the, the council people in and then you know, let our, you know, live stream it and let people, you know, talk as, yeah. as they'd like to.
0: Yeah. I just, I personally hope that that continues across as wide a swath of meetings as it is happening. Right. right? Because so, uh, you yeah. know, even f- from my perspective as a journalist, it makes it so much, you know, Exactly. You know, have access to things that logistically are possible. And right. I'd also, I'd also advocate, if you are elected, try to do something about those benches and council
1: chambers. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, it is nice to watch, you know, a council meeting from your couch with your feet up. <laughs> Much more forgiving, on right? That,
0: um, tip Tip, I've been doing this little uh, what I've been calling a lightning round with sure. candidates running through a couple of quick uh, um, questions about uh, the other ballot and bond questions going before voters in mm-hmm. November. You mentioned that you're supporting the uh, 147 million dollar schools bond. That's been pretty unanimous among uh, right candidates to this point. Um, Climate bonds, much smaller, $5 million, aimed at uh, energy efficiency and, and renewable energy projects. Where do you fall on that one at this point?
1: Right. So um, I, I haven't really gotten to dive into that bond too much as far as, um, you know, where we can be forgiven in some sense. But I do think that, you know, I, I'm a young person. You know, I'm in it, you know, I, I would say I'd like to be on, the, on this earth for the long haul. Um, and I'd like to leave a better earth than, you know, I came into um, so, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of, of trying to find renewable energy sources um, and making sure that our city is doing, you know, our the best that we can do um, as far as our carbon footprint goes. So, um, you know, I, I personally would lean towards yes, but I do have to do a little bit more research on it. Sure.
0: In terms of the, uh, there's four charter amendments that are going before mm-hmm. voters, and I can take them down quick. Um, one would lower the uh, the... In annual increases in the property tax levy um, the cap would be now at three percent locally rather than the, the state mandated four percent
1: yeah definitely support that especially now um you know we can't expect our taxpayers to dish out more money to us um if they're not getting it um with with covid you know it's it's incredible um you know the amount of economic um i guess impact that it's had yeah. um, you see people get laid off you see people get furloughed Um, And, you know, it's not sustainable for our government to keep paying, you know, the amount of money that they are in unemployment. Um, So I definitely see that as a benefit to our taxpayers.
0: Sure. Another uh, of the amendments would uh, create a new minimum balance requirement for the rainy day fund at 5% of the city's operating budget.
1: Um, Definitely for that, um, especially, you know, as I said, with COVID, um, we have to find a way to sort of offset, um, you know, we have to find a way to offset property tax increases you know we want to make sure that you know we have money to spend on those essential services that we're giving to our taxpayers
0: the third of the proposals would um, expand the mayor's veto authority allow the mayor to to veto both increases and decreases that the council makes to the budget um, city budget each year
1: i did i did see that um we give the mayor you know that executive authority um you know if he's going to say you know add something he should be able to take something away as well
0: and the final of the, the charter proposals would uh that's a new language about the, the ward redistricting process um it's a kind of anti-gerrymandering uh proposal that right um, you know language about maintaining the continuity of neighborhoods that you know geographically and, and stuff like that right uh
1: definitely something that i faced <laughs> as i'm walking yeah um you notice if you look at our ward map it's all over the place mm-hmm. um I have one side of Park Ave, but I don't. But then I have the other side of Pontiac. And it's, you know, yeah, um, I'd love sense. to see some sort of uh, continuity there. Um, you know, you see some people, you know, bounce between wards two and three and wards one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they need to see some sort of continuity from um, from their local government. So I definitely could support that. Sure,
0: I'd ask, too, about the statewide, uh, the sole statewide ballot question this year that would remove Providence plantations from the state's official.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely a pretty contentious, um, contentious question. Um, given you know, all, everything going on with, with our social justice efforts. Um, I, I think it'd be a good idea. I, I personally don't say the state of Rhode Island and Providence plantations every time somebody asks me where I'm from. Um, so I definitely could support, you know, kind of shortening the name.
0: It's worth losing our designation as the smallest state with the longest name. Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> for sure. You know, if, if to me, if it's, if it's uh, offending more people, um, then it's not. I think that we do have to take you know a step to make sure that you know people feel safer and feel comfortable living within our state. Sure.
0: To uh, to turn to politics, I know I saw you there on on primary night when Councilman Hopkins uh, won. I think with uh, an unexpectedly large victory, and I right. you know didn't I personally didn't expect the race to be called that night. But uh, mm-hmm. I know you spoke about your relationship with the councilman. Um, What's your view of the mayoral race? Are you worried about party unity at all heading into the cover? Uh,
1: so I uh, you know, I, I think both candidates are, are great, but I think Ken is definitely the clear choice. Um I'm I'm personally really proud to stand next to him um, you know, in this race. It's it's really awesome to be on the same ballot as him since, you know, I, I had class with him and, you know, at the time, you know, my, I was going through a lot personally, you know, my family was, you know, in a state of, you know, somebody was unemployed and and I, I think that Um, you know, his classes got me through a lot and his positivity got me through a lot. Um, And I think that he definitely um, is is a a great choice for mayor. And I think he's the best choice. Um, I think he's humble enough um, to, you know, say, I don't know and try to get the answer. Um, And he's he's done a great job at building a great team around him um, from candidates to campaign staff. Um, I think he's done a great job at that. And I think that's a testament to his ability to lead um, you know, he's a coach for however many years, um, and he's given his life to the city. Uh, so I do think that he is the best choice for mayor. Um, as far as party unity goes, um, I don't think it's ever been a question. Um, we've been working really hard uh, together, you know, almost all the time. You know, I text and call, you know, our, my colleagues, uh, you know, on the Republican ticket more than I probably talk to my family and friends. Um, we're working hard. We're motivating each other. Um, and we're really driven on one thing and that's, you know, to make Cranston better. Um, and I'm really proud to stand with each and every one of, you know, those candidates.
0: Yeah. Speaking of those candidates, if you're elected, it's going to be a very different council next term. We have five seats. Uh, I mean, obviously the, uh, the, the ward two seat is a little different case. There was a a, a resignation there and appointment. So, but regardless, five seats up for grabs this year. Yours is one of the two ward seats. Um, you know, are, are you concerned about the amount of experience and institutional knowledge the council is learning or, or is uh, uh, losing in the next term?
1: You know, I do think that obviously there's um, our council people right now um, have an ability to um, get their message out. Uh, but I think that the role of, uh, you know, any elected official is to be able to take information in and, and um, you know, evaluate you know both sides of an argument or multiple you know parties arguments um and make the best decision for their constituent um what i'm really leaning on you know some of the experienced um candidates to do such as um you know Ed Brady and Chris Paplaskis um i'm leaning on them on on how i can get that message out in the best way um but i think that all of the candidates on the the ticket um, obviously have an ability to take in all this information and kind of narrow down the important issues um, and what matters most to their voters, um, you know, and make the best decision. So
0: have you encountered any, you know, being the youngest in the field, being pretty young among, you know, the the normal uh, candidates for these types of seats, have you encountered any skepticism from voters? You know,
1: not really. Um, I I think a lot of people are excited. I think they want somebody new uh, or a fresh face um which i am and i believe i am but i'm i'm local and i, I grew up in the neighborhood um so i do have a lot of um a base that way yeah. um, but i'm really um you know committed to making sure that our issues stay local um, i want to make sure that issues are cranston issues and they're getting solved that way not a national you know issue coming into cranston just because it's on the national ticket um, but i really haven't seen too much skepticism um, you know, I have a friend, Dave Sears, who's on the school committee. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, he wants to, to keep me out because he wants to stay the youngest. Because <laughs> uh, we're uh, we're twenty days apart. Oh, so, my goodness, that close. Yeah. That's, so, that's um, it, it's good. It's good banter. But um, I do still, you know, despite my age, I think, you know, I I, I can do a very good job on the council.
0: Sure. Well, your ward uh, ward two, we were talking before. I think is going to be, you know, one of the one of the real swing seats here for control of the council the next term how how are you approaching it down the stretch you yeah about like three or four weeks to go now. yes
1: yeah. so um i will say i you know i have a great um campaign manager uh, you know a longtime friend um, who's really done a great job at mapping out the ward uh, mapping out walks and you know keeping us really on a good track but i i walk pretty much every night um, i'm out there talking to voters really getting into um you know getting myself out there um, really focused on getting my my name out on social media. Obviously, uh, the recent teacher endorsement has really helped me out, uh, you know, a lot, and I think it's going to help me down the stretch, um, you know, because you know they felt like I was the best um, candidate to bring our schools into the 21st century and really support them. Um, so that's something that I'm definitely going to get out there, you know, down the stretch. But we're really just walking and you know talking to voters. Um, I've I've been walking every day since July. Yeah. So went through a couple pairs of shoes, but. <laughs> You know it'll be it'll be worth it on november 4th or whenever we find out you know the election results hopefully yeah i
0: hope so as well well zach thank you so much I really yeah, appreciate
1: thank it you yeah awesome thank you very much appreciate it <clears throat>
0: Beacon is a production of Beacon Communications, publisher of the Warwick Beacon, Cranston Herald, Johnston Sunrise, and Coventry Reminder newspapers. Find us online at warwickonline.com, cranstononline.com, johnstonsunrise.net. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at RhoadyBeat, R-H-O-D-Y-B-E-A-T. This podcast is hosted by Anchor Podcasts. Subscribe today on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or other podcast platforms.